Good singing today. I had a couple songs that I, uh, the last song we just sang, it was one of my favorite songs growing up. I think it was just really easy for me to learn, um, but I liked it. And then I uh, sang a song earlier as well that just brings back good memories from childhood and, and stuff like that. Good singing today. Uh, 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. A reminder in a couple weeks, not next week. I'll be gone next week. Me and uh, our family will be in Indiana preaching a missions emphasis Sunday, uh, missions banquet for um, Pastor Scott Fulcher, uh, who will be with us in July. But uh, we'll be there on Sunday. And uh, so James will be preaching. Um, uh, Adam's doing men's Sunday school. Uh, somebody's doing ladies' Sunday school. Sarah, are you doing ladies' Sunday school? And um, I haven't told Tyler this yet, but Tyler will be leading the service. Um, I'll talk. Don't worry. I'll talk to you before Sunday about that um, as well. But uh, excited to get to go see some friends in Indiana and get an opportunity to preach with them. Um, and uh, excited to be there. Then the following Sunday, so not the 15th, but whatever comes next, uh, the 20th or 22nd or 20-something, uh, we will have Sunday school together as a church uh, for the, the last two weeks of March. And we'll be talking about church culture and really excited about um, some thoughts there that I'd like to share with you and talk about and uh, something that we can all pray about together um, as we continue to be the church and try to be the church that God desires for us to be. And 1 Kings chapter 17 today, I'd like to look at um, how we can be a great church. Now, great is defined different ways. Everybody has a different mind uh, or thoughts on what great means. Sometimes when you say a great church, the first thing you think of is large, and that's not what I mean uh, by being a great church. I'd like for us to be larger than we are, but uh, we don't need to be a mega church. And uh, I've said this for a long time now. Um, I don't think that, I I know I could not pastor a mega church and be a biblical pastor. Um, Maybe someone can. I'm not trying to knock on the pastors of mega churches, but... I don't know how you can biblically lead the flock and personally invest into your members if you don't know them all. Um, so I always said, you know, once we, I don't know what the number is, but once we get to a certain number, then we'll start other churches in the area. And, and if we ever get to that point, and, and instead of having thousands of people in one building, we can have 300 or whatever in one building and 300 in another building or whatever it may be. Now, I've said that, and I've also said now, when we get to that point, am I still going to be willing to do that? I don't know. But uh, uh, nonetheless, that's what my philosophy is at the current moment. Uh, but a great church to me is not numbers of people. It is um, the impact that we're having. And how can we impact people the way God wants us to impact? Be the church, ultimately, that God wants us to be. That's what a great church is, is being what God wants you to be. If you're great in God's eyes, then you've accomplished everything you need to accomplish. And uh, so today I want to look at this passage and look at that idea of how can we be a great church. And let's look in, starting in verse number 8 here as we're talking about Elijah. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, that's Elijah, saying, Arise, and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, 
Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make, therefore, make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, unto the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture and this story that you've given us um, that uh, happened with Elijah and this widow woman. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us today to be um, to learn something fresh. And Lord, that you would give us exactly what we need today to understand what it takes for us to have a great church. And Lord, I pray that we would take the things that you teach us and uh, apply them to our personal lives and ultimately to our church to be exactly what you want us to be. I pray that you'd help me to use your word today and that I would present it clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've heard before that the story teaches us that if you take care of the pastor, the man of God, that everything else will fall into place. Um, uh, as a pastor, I like that. Um, but I don't know that that's exactly what it's, that's not what it's talking about here. Um, but uh, we'll throw that in as point number four at the end of the day, just for the fun of it. Uh, let's look at a couple of things of what it, what it takes to be a great church from the story of Elijah and the widow woman. Number one, <clears throat> a great church starts with God's calling. A great church starts with God's calling. In verse number eight, it says uh, that the word of the Lord came unto to Elijah. And in verse number nine, God tells Elijah, go to Zarephath. And he says, Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. God told Elijah exactly where he wanted Elijah to go. He sent him to a place. Um, we all, I believe, want to accomplish things for God. I believe as a church, we want our church to reach people. I think we all have that same desire. Um, I've told you before, I've been in churches, <clears throat> or specifically a church, that I just felt like there wasn't a... a a true desire to see the church grow, at least biblically, reaching people for the Lord, adding them to the church, because it would bring in people that wouldn't fit the current membership of that church. It was they liked how everybody dressed, and they liked how everybody sang, and they liked how everybody did Christianity, so to say. They were very comfortable with it, and there didn't seem to be a desire to see that expand and allow other people that came in even to visit that didn't look like them and act like them, and sing as good as them. But <clears throat> I believe our church is different than that, and I believe it is that our church desires to see people saved and to see people come. And, and in order for us to have a great church, it starts with being right where God has called you to be. If God has brought you here, which I believe He has, then you're where God desires for you to be. Um, when I was in Indiana, I've told you this story before, but when I, when I felt like God was telling me to, to leave Indiana and start a church, my first response was, thank you for asking, but I'm fine where I am. And <clears throat> when I was asked by my grandfather 
You know, why in the world would you leave that situation? You've got a good salary, you've got a house, you've got a debt-free church, you've got all these things going for you there. Why in the world would you leave and start from nothing? And the simple answer is, and really the only logical answer that you'd come up with is, this is what God told me to do. And had I stayed in Indiana, I guarantee you there would have been major issues. Uh, there would have been no blessing on the church, there would have been no blessing on us. And even though we go through trials and went through trials here in Lexington, we still have to understand that if you're not where God wants you to be, you're not going to experience the things that God wants to give you. And so we, to be where you're supposed to be, if our church is where it's supposed to be, not just uh, in a location, but if our church is spiritually where it's supposed to be, where God has called us to be, that's how we can be a great uh, church. Nothing greater can be accomplished than when you are where God calls you to be. You, you just... You can look if you want to, and you can argue all you want to, you'll be wrong, but you can look and you can see people that have these massive so-called ministries. There are literally people filling uh, basketball stadiums today and calling it church. And you can look at it if you want to and say, boy, that's a great church, and I can tell you it's not. <laughs> uh, I can show you the pastor's mansion, and I can show you the pastor's vehicles and his private jet, and I can tell you that he's, he seems happy, but I can tell you he's not receiving blessings from God. I believe the saying is, it's just because it's big doesn't mean it's good, it could be swollen. Um, if you've ever seen a dead animal uh, that's a little bigger than normal, that dead animal isn't in good shape. He might be big, but he's not in good shape. I remember growing up in Tennessee and working at the camp and uh, having a horse uh, die in the pasture. You go out and, and the horse is, uh, looks pregnant and massive and you don't want to poke the horse because if somehow you puncture it, it's not good. It doesn't smell good. Even unpunctured, it doesn't smell good. It doesn't smell good. It's not something you want to mess with. It's, uh, it's just not, it's not good. Just because it's big doesn't mean it's good and just because it's big doesn't mean it's bad either. So don't misunderstand me there. But at the end of the day, nothing greater can be accomplished than when you're doing what God's called you to do. We have to be where God calls us, and we have to do what God calls us to do. Jonah, you remember, was called to Nineveh. Jonah didn't go to Nineveh at first. We know he originally went on a cruise and uh, went swimming and uh, got to go on a, a unique submarine cruise for a little while. And and got spit out into the, the shore and eventually went to Nineveh. When Jonah went to Nineveh, we read about what I believe to be the greatest revival in the entire uh, history of the world. Jonah walked into Nineveh with the wrong spirit, with the wrong attitude, uh, with no love for the people of Nineveh. But he went where God told him to, do, to go and he preached the message that he, God told him to preach. And you know what God did? God took a nation that was wicked beyond imagination, violent beyond imagination. And God saved that nation. The, the leadership of that nation got saved. And he pointed everyone to that same direction as well. And I'm not saying that you should go in with the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit as long as you're just saying the right things and doing the right things. No. But you understand that had Jonah not gone to Nineveh, if he was not where he was supposed to be, bad things were going to continue to happen to Jonah. 
And I think ultimately Jonah sadly <clears throat> missed out on so many great things. As many people, you read throughout the Bible, look at Samson. Think about all the things Samson missed out on. Boy, he sure lived it up for a while, but at the end of the day, he was blind doing a mule's job and died in a heap of, of rocks. I believe Samson could have experienced so much more in his life had he actually done things the right way. But when we are where God calls us to be, we can see uh, great things happen, not only in a location, but called to a people. Uh, we are, as far as I, I know I am, and I'm assuming everyone else is, um, led by God to live where we live, to be in the community that we're in. Uh, when we were praying about where to start the church, so God told me to start a church, but he didn't tell me where at first. And so I did what I thought was smart, and I made a list of places that I would like to live. And I said, I'm going to start with this list, and if God says no to all those, <laughs> then we'll open it up to more. But why start about praying, God, send me to the worst possible city to live in. Give me a place that's just under snow all year long and um, is miserable people and all this stuff. No, that's, that doesn't seem very smart. So, uh, so I made a list. I believe God wanted us to be in a, in a populated city. And so I made a list of about, I think it was seven or eight cities and prayed over the list. And Lexington was number two on the list. And uh, number one was a clear no from God. Moved on to number two. And, and God began to give peace on that. And then uh, once we felt like that's where God wanted us to, then we started researching the city. Um, I felt it was important. You take it for what it is. I felt it was important to let God tell me where to go before I did the research. Um, because sometimes we, we try to make it make sense to us, right? So I think God wants me to do this. Um, well, why do you think that? Well, because I looked at it, and financially it could really work out. <laughs> okay, well... I mean, God can make it work out whether you can or not, so I'm not sure why that matters. Um, and so, uh, nonetheless, we prayed about it, <clears throat> felt like God wanted us to come to Lexington. We started doing the research on the city and uh, saw the great need that was here, confirmed that. Um, God confirmed it in our hearts, and, and we came. <clears throat> but it's not just a city and a, a street and a, a, a location, but it is the people in which God has called us to. So we have been called to impact the community in which we're in, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to present God to them, to proclaim God uh, to them. God told Elijah, go to Zarephath, and then he said, there's going to be a lady waiting for you. There's a widow woman that I have prepared, he says in verse uh, number 9. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. God not just brought him to a place, he had people waiting for him when he got there. Um, we'll talk about this more in just a moment, but God has placed um, us in a church. God has placed other people in the same church for you to minister and edify and help. God has placed other people within your community, within your life, at co-workers and neighbors and uh, strangers on the street and, and family members and whatever else God has placed there. You're not just called to a location, you're called to a people. And if we will minister to the people in whom God has placed in our lives, God is going to bless that, and God is going to develop a great church uh, within us. Don't forget your calling. Sometimes when we're <clears throat> uh, in a church, after a while, something comes along and uh, makes you uncomfortable or offends you or, 
or it's not the way you would do it, or whatever it is. And too often times Christians go, well, there's another church in town, we can just be gone. There are times in which God leads people away, obviously. There are times where God doesn't lead people away, and they go anyhow. And uh, so remember where God has called you. Confirm that with God. Uh, When you start to get frustrated, or when you start to say, you know what, I just, I don't know if this is the right place for me, and if it's not, then by all means, we want you to leave. But if it is where God wants you, then you ought to stay. And if God has called you to this church, then then you need to be committed to God's calling. And when you get frustrated, there's a, many ways to handle frustrations within church. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, I've made people mad. Um, number one is pray about it. And like I said, confirm it with God. Is this where I'm supposed to be? And if he says yes, then stay. Number two is talk to the person who you're upset with or who upsets you. Oftentimes, they don't know it. As a pastor, I say things, and I have no idea how it affects people. And I've, I've experienced it more in Indiana than I have here, but um, people would be mad and upset, and you'd have no idea. And next thing you know, three people come to you and say, hey, so-and-so came and said they're upset about this. So, why didn't they come tell me? So then you got to go over there and say, hey, the whole church is telling me you're mad at me. <laughs> what's, yeah? It would have been nice if you would have talked to me about it. What's, what's going on? You can talk through it. And sometimes you can, you can solve it. Sometimes it's a very simple thing. And other times it's a much more difficult situation and, and, and different ways like that. But there's right ways to handle those things. But if God's called you to a place, then be in that place. In order for us to have a great church, we all have to be exactly where God wants us to be, exactly where God has called us to. Number two, <clears throat> a great church is a result of God's provision. A great church is a result of God's provision. It's not going to be a result of a great pastor. It's not going to be a result of a great people. It's going to be a result of God's provision. Um, in this passage, oftentimes when we preach on this passage and look at this passage, we're focusing on the provision that God gave to the widow woman. Uh, Elijah comes in like most preachers do and says, take care of me. And, uh, and in doing so, the widow woman says, I can't. She says, as a matter of fact, these sticks that I'm holding are for the purpose of cooking the last meal that me and my son have to eat. And then we will starve um, from here forward. And Elijah says, I understand that. Just, just go ahead and do as you're planning to do, but feed me first. And it's not selfish, and it's not, I think we understand that, but it's not, it's not a wrong attitude by Elijah here. The story that we're reading in verses 8 through 16 is not the provision of the widow woman. It's actually the provision of Elijah. Um, look in verse number 5 and through verse number 7. So he, Elijah, went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Elijah, and this is very incredible, I think. Elijah is, is, is taken to this place uh, next to the brook Cherith. And God uh, uh, sends an uh, uh, Uber Eats to him, the raven. And the raven comes and feeds him, brings him food. And then he's got the brook there where he's got his water. So he's drinking from the brook. He's eating by the food that the ravens gave him. And then one day the brook dries up. Now there's no more water. So what does God do? He says, Elijah, I want you to get up and move now and go to Zarephath. 
And what does God do uh, with Elijah? He provides for him. Elijah needs food and water. God provided it. The water dries up. God says, go here. Why? So that he could provide for Elijah in another way now by this widow woman. Now, God provides for the widow woman too, and it's a wonderful story, and it's amazing. It's a miracle how God did it. But the story here is God providing for his, in this case, person, Elijah. A great church is a result of God's provision. God provides for God's people. We're going to look at this in the uh, afternoon service in Zechariah as well, of God's providing specifically for Israel. But God provides for His people. The, God provides through the brook Cherith, then He provides through a widow woman. In our church, and I, I've told you this, I've shared it with you, and many of you have seen it firsthand, God's provision for this church. And there have been too many times where I, I, I don't think about it, honestly. Very rarely do I think about the needs of the church as far as the financial needs or the different things like that. I, I've been, my parents, uh, at least my dad especially, was this way. It's just, God, if I'm doing right, God's going to take care of it, so what do I have to worry about? And uh, my wife gets frustrated at me sometimes because she's kind of like, well, we really don't have the money for this. And I say, oh, it's okay, it's not a big deal. Um, uh, for church things. Now, if it's other things, that's different. But, uh, uh, but for church things are given for a special guest or whatever it is, it's kind of like, well, I mean, we can do this, but we're going to have to be really careful this week, and that's fine. It's, it'll be okay. If that's what God wants us to give, let's give it and, and be done with it. And my wife's great with that, too. But we see God's consistent provision. And oftentimes when we're talking about a great church, we begin to bring in the outside influences. Well, if you want a great church, you've got to have this. If you want a great church, you have to do this. And it's all man-made things. Um, I was very fortunate to be raised in a ministry that taught a philosophy that uh, everything that you do ought to be in support of the preaching of the Word of God. So Bill Rice, um, who was with us last year, uh, he always did this illustration. So he said, everything that we do, so at camp it was sports tournaments, it was the way we served food, it was the activities, everything that we did was a pillar. And it was for the purpose of supporting the preaching. So the sports tournaments support the preaching. We do it in a way that supports the preaching. The activities support the preaching. The food supports the preaching. We're not gonna, the schedule supports the preaching. It's, it's set up in a way that the preaching can be uh, most effective. No distractions. We don't ever talk about the big activity following the service. It, it, we just focus on the service. Uh, we don't promote this. Hey, after the service tonight, we're going to have this big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but first, let's, let's hear the preaching of the Word of God. We never did that. It was on purpose that there was really nothing after the preaching. There was free time, but nothing, no big activity or anything like that because we want the preaching to be the most effective that it can be. The environment in which it was created, air conditioning, uh, um, as little distraction as possible uh, so that the preaching can be the focus and everything we do supports it. In a great church, everything that you do ought to be for the purpose of supporting the, the proclaiming of the Word of God. And, and I try to do that in our church as well, and we try to, to very hard. Our afternoon services are very short. Why? Because everybody just ate, and they're sleepy, and they're ready for a nap. And if we drag it out to an hour-long preaching service, everybody's going to be asleep. And so we try to keep it down to about 20 minutes. It's, it's, it's on purpose that we go shorter in the afternoon services. Um, it's the reason why we switched to lunch 
uh, was for the, the support, honestly, for the supporting of the preaching as well. Because some people would have to wait around all day or uh, other people would have to whatever. And, and it helps our church to do it. And it helps us be an effective church, I believe, as well. But we have to understand that those things, having lunch, which I think is a great benefit for our church, that's not what can make us a great church. Having um, great activities, that wouldn't make us a great church. Having a big choir wouldn't make us a great church. Having an orchestra wouldn't make us a great church. Having a band wouldn't make us a great church. Having uh, whatever it is. You, you can't give credit to ministries of the church for the reasons of being a great church and give glory to God at the same time. It can't happen. Um, I'm not anti-ministries, obviously. I like kids' ministries. I like. Uh, I look forward to having a youth ministry. Uh, all those things. would like to have Spanish ministries and deaf ministries and all these other things. But... I hear too often of people saying, you know, we had this many people in church today and it's because of our bus ministry. And I'm not anti-bus ministry, please understand that. But it's because of our bus ministry and I think, well, this is not because of God. You can't give credit to that ministry and glory to God at the same time. It doesn't work that way. In order to have a great church, you have to understand that it's only by the provision of God that we can be that way. Elijah had a, had a great ministry. Elijah uh, got to see and do things and watch God use him in a great way, but none of it had to do with Elijah. It was all because of God's provision for Elijah. And that's what brings us to point number three, which is very similar. But a great church is all about God and nothing about me. A great church is all about God and nothing about me. Look in verse 13 and verse number 14. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make therefore a little cake first and bring it unto me, and after make it for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. So Elijah doesn't say, If you'll feed me, I'll take care of you. No. He says, Before you go and, and eat for you and your son, Bring me a cake first. And when you do that, he says in verse number 14, the Lord God of Israel has said this, it will not waste and it will not go empty. You'll have everything that you need. Had nothing to do with Elijah. It had everything to do with God. God can provide. For a church, God can provide people. Not methods. Not uh, uh, great ideas out of books. Uh, not uh, uh, a great pastor. God can provide people, and God will provide people, the people that He wants in the church. God can provide finances. He does this oftentimes through growing the church. Again, finances for me has always been, I learned it from my parents, it's got to take care of it. Um, we've been dangerously low before, and we prayed about it, and God answered the prayer, and all was good. But God can provide finances. I don't need to... Um, have uh, be careful about this. I don't need to have fundraisers. I know people who are so anti-fundraiser. Uh, found that out after I did a fundraiser in a church and was told God's going to punish us because we did a fundraiser. I thought, what? Um, <laughs> but I'm not anti necessarily fundraiser, but I am anti depending on my great idea for God to bring in finances to the church. And uh, 
We need to understand that God will provide the finances. God did it for our church. He did it through supporting churches. He did it through, uh, ultimately, through growing our church with people who tithe and, and give in the offerings. And, um, but it's all God. I've been told before, what are you going to do if we stop giving? And I said the same thing I did before you started giving. I'm going to pray and let God take care of it. I'm telling you, every single one of you could walk out of the building today. If God still wants this church to be active, God will provide for it. I love you guys. I honestly do. Um, but I don't depend on you for this church. I don't depend on me for this church. It's not the way it works. It's through God's provision. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. John 3.30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Less of my own ideas and more of God's guidance. Less of my own preferences and more biblical instruction. I'm telling you, that's so crucial. Every church has it. Everybody has ideas, and I'm not anti-idea. I think, I think you guys know that. I like getting ideas, and I like sharing ideas, and I like, I like people thinking about, hey, can we do this? Can we try this? That kind of stuff. I'm all for those things, but it's, it's, it's less of me and more of God. It's less of, uh, hey, I saw this and, and uh, we really liked it and maybe we should try it. Well, that's fine, but what about, hey, I prayed about this. I think God could, could and would use it. Was this something that you would pray about as well? Um, preferences, and we've talked about preferences in past weeks, so I won't spend time on it, but we all have preferences. <laughs> we, all, we all like things a certain way. We, you know, we'll talk about that some in the Sunday school at the end of March, but... It's got to be more God and less me. Less of my control and more of using what God, the talents that God has placed within the church. That's, that's more of a point for me than you. But I, I, like, I like order. I like things done well. I like things done the way that I pictured them in my mind. And I think everybody knows this. If you picture it in your mind, the only way it's going to come out looking like that is if you do it. Um, you can try to share vision and you can try to share ideas and you can try to say, hey, this is kind of how I want it to be. But ultimately, if you see it one way in your mind, it's only going to come out that way if you do it. And that's if you're lucky. Um, uh, it's only going to come out that way if you do it. And I've had to learn. It's not about my control over the situation. Although I will say this again, I believe I'm responsible for what goes on in the church. And so when I say no, it's because I don't want to get punished for it. And so, uh, nonetheless, it's less of my control and more of, of using the talents that God's put within the church. To have a great church, it's everybody doing their part, not just one person or two people doing their part. Um, everybody does that here, and I'm thankful for that. But again, in my previous church, there was a handful of people who did everything, and there was 75% of the church who attended and that was about it. I mean, they gave and they did some things, but um, a church needs to be using the abilities and the gifts that God has given you to be a part of the church, to make the church what it's supposed to be. Less of me and more of God's Word. 1 Corinthians one twenty one says, For after that in wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We try all these things to have great churches, and at the end of the day, the only thing that will make a great church is if we do what God's Word says. And how are we going to do that if we don't know what it says? And God says, I want to use what everyone else considers to be foolishness, the preaching of God's Word. And through the preaching of God's Word, I will develop great churches. People will be saved. 
People will be baptized. People will be discipled. And people will come into the church and use the gifts that I've given them. That's going to develop great churches. But it's going to be as a result of the preaching of God's Word. There is too much emphasis on methodology and not enough emphasis on just doing what God's Word says. I know good people who I believe are doing it the wrong way, and I think they love the Lord. I don't don't question that. They love the Lord, but they get caught up in the, we've got to keep moving with the world. And there are some, some areas I would agree with on that, but then it becomes the, if we do it this way, it'll make them more comfortable. And we're going to talk about all this when we're talking about church culture. But if we do it this way, it'll make them more comfortable. And if we do it this, and we look this, and we sound like this, at the end of the day, none of that helps people. And God's Word does. The same Bible that I use, and that you use, can have the most impact on any one person. The Bible is quick, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it can pierce through. It's amazing what the Bible can do, and yet so many Christians don't use the Bible. We use our smooth speaking tongues or our great personalities or our uh, great ideas instead of using what God has given to us as the gift. As He calls it, God calls it a sword that we use, and we can go out there and use, and it's effective, and it's alive, and it's active. At the end of the day, in order to have a great church, it has to be less of me and more of God's Word. When we teach the children, we teach them God's Word. It's not just story time. We teach them God's Word. I was raised again in a ministry that said, you can preach to kids, and they can gain from it. Now, sometimes you have to go a little simpler than you would with adults, maybe. You've got to bring it to a level uh, as well. And doesn't the Holy Spirit do that for us? Right? Isn't there things that you've read, and maybe you've heard preached on, and you're still going, I don't get it. And then one day you're reading it yourself and you're praying on it and all of a sudden something clicks and you go, oh, oh, well that's nice. Because it was brought to my level. We do that with kids too, but kids, we, we can't teach kids cartoons. I'm not, I'm not saying don't show your kids cartoons, but we can't t- like just put kids in a room and show them a cartoon and go, that's how they're going to learn the Bible. No, teach them the Bible. Open it up, read it with them. Teach them straight from the Bible. Um, when, when we're teaching, teach them Bible. Our, our kids grow up, I, I was this way, they grow up learning stories that are biblical, but too often, because of the way we present them, they are just stories, just like a bedtime story. So when we're teaching children, make sure that we're using the Bible and we're teaching them that it is Bible, and not just some... This person is not like this piece of vegetable. (laughs) Okay, there's a difference. This is a real person. This actually happened in real life. Teach them that. Because God's Word can impact their lives just as it impacts your life. And I'm fortunate enough that for me it was at a young age that God and His Word impacted me. Not everybody is that way and that's okay. But God's Word can affect a young child the same way it can affect an adult, even someone in their 80s, 90s, older. 
So use God's word. I would like to have a great church. I desire to have a great church. And by great, I mean an, uh, an effective church, an impacting church, a church that reaches people. In order for us to do that, we have to, number one, know God's calling. Be where God has called us to be. Number two, we have to understand it is through God's provision. We'll not have a great church because of us. And that was point three. It's, it's all about God and not one ounce about me. It's just not. People want to be loved. People want to be adored. People want to be praised. And I get that. I like it too. People want to be appreciated. But church just is not about us. I think I've told you this before, but I met a man one time in New York City and he shared with me his testimony. And I asked him, I said, what, what church do you go to? I had a list of churches in the New York area. And uh, he said, oh, I don't go to church anymore. He said, it's just full of hypocrites. And I said, boy, ain't that the truth? I said, yeah, I pastor a church and it's full of hypocrites too. I said, actually, I'm one also. I said, every church has hypocrites. I said, but thankfully, I don't go to church because of the people. And of course, as probably all of us would do, he's like, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know, I know. Well, we don't. It's not about us. It's about God. And if we'll do church the right way, following the Bible's pathway for it, and if we'll understand our calling and be where we're supposed to be and do what we're supposed to do and depend on God and not myself, we can have a great church. And that great church is defined by the church that God wants us to be. Lord, I pray for your help. I'm so thankful for the church that you've given us. <clears throat> I'm so thankful that you have allowed us to come together as a group of people from different backgrounds and different areas um, people who have been introduced to you early in life and people introduced later in life. Lord, I'm so thankful how you've given us each unique gifts to uh, make a complete church. And Lord, I'm so thankful that we have people that are willing to give of themselves and to follow your guidance and being a part of this church. But God, I don't believe our church is <clears throat> done. I don't think we're complete yet. And God, we desire to have a church that, that is truly doing exactly what you want it to do. God, I pray that if uh, that you'd have us where you want us to be. And Lord, that we would know your calling in our life. And we are where we're supposed to be, ministering to the people that we're supposed to minister to. And God, I, help, I, I pray that you would help us to uh, put away our pride, our selfishness. God, that we would understand... Uh, that the only way we can attain the church that you want us to, to be is if we trust in your provision for it. God, would you take away uh, the part in our mind that says, well, without me, they would be missing this. And without this ability that I bring, they would just crumble. God, help us to see that the church is purely existent because of your provision. And God, would you help us to again understand that we need to increase you and decrease us more of you and less of us and god would you continue to, to unite us together not by preferences but by your word and god would you continue to uh, help us to understand it's not by worldly methods but god it's by you that we can have a great church so god i pray that you would continue to grow us individually i pray that you would continue to grow us together as a church and Lord, ultimately grow this church as well 
with new people need to be saved, need to be baptized, or Christians that need a, a home church, God, I pray that you would grow it your way and that we would depend on you for it. God, I pray that you'd bless us today, uh, help us, grow us, challenge us, strengthen us, bolden us. And Lord, I, I pray that you, you would do all those things so that we can accomplish your will in our lives and for this church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> uh, we will get set up for lunch, and once we're set up, uh, we will pray for lunch, and